Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chuck on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. But a name who I think they need to look into um, is Byron Leftwich, man. He left. No question. I think I think Byron has a uh, should have a legitimate shot. You know, I don't due know to- why B left name is not on this list. Yeah, Byron, I just saw- Byron, and you know what you said last week, Pat, that hit home. The piece is already there. The pieces. Yes. That's the Patrick Peterson All Things Covered podcast. I like that. he just, you know, I don't think he talks a hundred percent openly. I think he's. Right. diplomatic in a lot of the things he says, but some of the topics he touches on are really interesting. Like, who should the next head coach of the Vikings be? Mm-hmm. Um, Byron Leftwich, not yet interviewed by the Vikings. And actually, on this Feedback Friday, Mackie and Judd episode, where we just make the entire show about your questions, comments, complaints, concerns, critiques, whatever it is. A um, lot of head coaching questions here that we're going to sift through early in this Feedback Friday session. Let's start with this one. Nick Cavisto via the Score North app. You can always send us questions, Score North app. There's a feedback tab, YouTube comment section, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're even, what are we up to? Like two, three, 3,000 followers on TikTok now, too? Yeah, we're almost Score up to TikTok. four. Almost up to 4,000 followers. Oh, See the Judd on the TikTok. Judd loves TikTok. I got, we got to get Judd doing the dances. That's the next evolution of Judd on TikTok. I agree. Yeah. A little choreography. Doing, doing some dancing, mm-hmm. some singing. Um, Nick Cavisto via the Score North app says, here are the reasons why I'm out on a defensive head coach. And right now, of the eight candidates that they have or will interview, five have a defensive background. Raheem Morris also has an offensive background because he was the, the wide receivers coach and pass game coordinator in Atlanta for four years. But So he kind of falls into both bins. But Nick says, number one reason I'm out on a defensive coach the carousel of offensive coordinators most defensive head coaches go through if they have a good offense. You have a good offense, and boom, someone gets hired to be a head coach, right? Uh, Number two, if you look at the teams that are currently winning divisions and making runs at the Super Bowl, they are mostly offensive-minded coaches or have an offensive coordinator like Buffalo that's about to get a head coaching job, Brian Dable. Mm -hmm. Number three, most new rules that are being implemented or adjusted are moving toward benefiting offenses, and uh, being able to stop an offense is not really being done consistently anymore, specifically against the quarterbacks that make things happen off schedule, Josh Allen, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, I do agree that leadership is most important to getting a team to buy in to what the coach is saying. Ultimately, what has to happen to win and win big. Uh, it's hard to see a league over the next few years where you can go defensive with your head coach and have a consistent offense year over year. 
your thoughts. Um, all great points. So, like, I, I don't vehemently disagree with anything that he said in that note. That being said, Raheem Morris intrigues me because I, I think he gets both sides of the football, and I think that he can lead, and I think the players w- want to play for a guy like that. And I will say, if your biggest problem is our offense was so good or our playoff run was so long that people are trying to hi- hire my assistant coaches, the flip side is that's a good problem. Like, I, I think the confusion here is this one. So so Shermer left for the Giants job after the 13-3 and three um, and run to the conference championship game in 2017. And Stefanski left because, you know, he was a hot young coach. Uh, but I think we'd see things differently if, let's say, Norv hadn't walked out in a huff. Let's say Clint Kubiak hadn't been promoted to a job that he didn't belong in. Let's say that that uh, that Gare had stuck around. So so while I understand the concerns, I think that our feeling about OCs in this town is somewhat tainted too, because the upheaval was so consistent, not always caused by success, but also caused by failure or angst. If you find the right head coach, the problem that he writes about is a problem I would be willing or a risk that I would take. Because theoretically, your next OC is not going to quit after like week six, and he's not going to be fired with three games left, DiFilippo. Um, so I don't think that you should just hire an offensive person because you're afraid if there's success that that person, uh, as far as the OC, might walk away. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is pretty simple for me. <clears throat> you know, ideally, you lean offense with a coach. But if someone stands out as a leader, head and shoulders above all else, that is the most important thing. And then you just have to hope that because they're a great leader that they can hire great people and hire an offensive coordinator. And And this is why Raheem Morris continues to be really interesting in, in that he seems to be among the top leadership candidates. And he has all this experience on both sides of the ball. I mean, that Atlanta offense under Dan Quinn, by the way, and this is where a lot of these candidates sort of you know, tied together. Dan Quinn was the head coach. He has Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator and Raheem Morris as his pass game coordinator. And that was an offensively great team that went to the Super Bowl and had a four touchdown lead on the Patriots, right? And but Dan Quinn was a defensive mind. And so that I mean as you sort of pump the tires of Raheem Morris and his offensive background, you also then kind of by extension have to pump the tires of Dan Quinn for putting him in that spot to be a pass game coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I ideally great leader who's offensive minded. That would be the holy grail. But if you've got a great leader who's head and shoulders above the others, I think you have to lean great leader first and foremost. Um, the next one here is Adam Meyer on the YouTube comment section. Packers fan from Minnesota here, he says. So this is a Packer fan perspective. Nathaniel Hackett, who's the Packers offensive coordinator who's interviewed for the Vikings head coaching job, is about to uh, is about the exact polar opposite of Mike Zimmer. Players like him. He always seems upbeat and positive. I fully expected him to land a job last offseason as a head coach, so I don't expect him to last long on the market this year. The big question is, can he run an offense solo? Um, and I'll just take that and, and put a question on it. I mean, we talked a lot about Nathaniel Hackett early in the week, and then we've kind of gone through some of the other candidates as well, and you know, we've sure. talked a lot about Raheem Morris. 
Where do you guys currently stand with Nathaniel Hackett? I'm intrigued, and I'm, I'm intrigued because his experience and success obviously goes back to his stops before the Packers. Because if, if it was just the Packers, I would be concerned. Like, I'd be like, okay, seems like he's a good guy. Rodgers likes him, but he's also completely at that point on the coattails of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But the fact that that he had success with what um, Blake Bortles in Jacksonville, the, the fact that he had success with Buffalo long before they were the current Bills juggernaut um, encourages me. And I do think, you know, here's the thing: I would guard against being so fixated on finding a different person from Zim that it starts to cloud you. But I don't. But I do think that a person who's going to walk in the first day of training camp and and be a breath of fresh air is important. So I would weigh that. Um, but I am much more inclined to give him a chance as a coach based on the fact that his success predates and goes back before he started with Packers. Yeah, I agree. I think for anyone who's out on Nathaniel Hackett, and I've seen some of these comments that, you know, wow, I mean, Matt, it's Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers' show in Green Bay. Well, yeah, of course it is. But that's not why I would be hiring Nathaniel Hackett. I think the fact that Aaron and David Bakhtiari have both publicly backed Nathaniel Hackett as a great leader, as someone that they love to to play for and work with, is is a credit. But it's the work that he did with these previously garbage teams, Buffalo before Josh Allen and Blake Bortles. I mean, he came in, Blake Bortles, <laughs> Blake Bortles was like, you know, on the verge of just being a bust and no longer their quarterback. And they resurrected and went to the NFC championship game with like a 13 win season. And he made Bortles more efficient. So, all right. Is he calling plays right now? No. Has he done this without Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers at a really high level or like they're sustaining success year after year? No, but part of the, part of the deal here is, if you hire Nathaniel Hackett, you're also like, this is going to sound crazy to Vikings fans, but like you're on the hunt for your Aaron Rodgers. And it's weird. Like when we bring that up, like pe- people always kind of scoff like, well, I mean, you're not just going to find a Pat Mahomes. You're not just going to find a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, Buffalo did. Kansas City aggressively traded up for Pat Mahomes. I know not every team can have one of those guys, but ideally you would be bringing in an offensive minded coach and hunting for a top six quarterback that you can groom and have as your franchise guy for a decade. Right. And what you have to do is, and this is the toughest part is you, you have to sort out the guys who have also uh, obtained knowledge and can share it through, uh, through um, what a guy like Hackett has gone through with Rogers LaFleur smart team. But what you need to guard against is he's not Ben McAdoo, right? Because, like, that, the same stuff with Ben. Like, he's going to go to the Giants. He's been around Rodgers. Rodgers likes him. Yeah. This is going to be great. Matt and it was a disaster. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's, that's where your people in the, in the Zooms right now have to sort of be like, yeah, you know what? That's a smart dude. He gets it. He knows a lot. He can help. Or eh, he's been around it, but I don't think he's absorbed yeah. it much. I worked at Google. It was great. Okay, exactly. did you did you create the search bar? You want to be in <laughs> charge you, of my upstart you, website, Phil? Yeah. Did you build the algorithm? Okay, then then we can talk. Yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, I, I like Nathaniel Hackett a lot. I, I think um, in general, there's probably a, for, a, a fraction of Vikings fans who see him as a Packers guy and they want nothing to do with them, which is, oh, a, is just get a garbage. Out of here with that. Which oh I can't stand. I literally can't who stand cares? that. Um, yeah. 
I, I just go watch his press conference that he had right after the regular season when he was also just talking about these interviews too, and I think it's really insightful. He just and it, and it could have been a show, could have been just him on a really good day. You know, I don't know what he's like behind the scenes, and I don't know if maybe he's still a rah rah football guy. I'm guessing he is when it's football time. But he just doesn't seem like a get in your face and I'm going to rip you a new one or I'm smarter and better than you attitude that kind of Mike Zimmer polarized during his tenure as Vikings head coach. And I think Hackett could be kind of a breath of fresh air and guy who has a collaboration that this team is looking for and needs. Yeah. Yeah. I think like this, I'm glad you brought this up because I've seen a lot of this too. It's just, we don't, if, if we hire a Packers coordinator and have success, we're never going to hear the end of it from Packers fans. Who cares? Once care. Aaron Rodgers is gone, they're going to go into an eight-year desolate stretch of quarterback play for the first time since the 80s. It doesn't matter what Packer fans think. Just hire the best coach and go win games. If these and guys the rest win, will take care of itself. If these guys win, no one will give a damn. In fact, it'll be they even more hilarious and a more hilarious troll job to say, oh, yeah, it looks like you guys... Uh, let one go there, and the Vikings took advantage, right? I mean, the if if the Vikings would have won a Super Bowl with Brett Favre, can you imagine how epic it would have been to hold that over your Packer family members, the number four, friends for decades? Raised to the rafters first yes. before the Packers got their chance. That was always my dream. <laughs> because the Packer fan, I, I think if, if Favre had won a Super Bowl here, my question has always been this. Would Packers fans have forgiven him because no. like like that's gone now right like the whole it got ugly and nasty yeah. that's all gone now if he hoists the lombardi trophy in purple is brett Favre persona non grata to this day at lambeau field yeah no i don't think so i don't think so i think it close i think it it, it it it's like the last flame on the bridge as it crumbles to the ground god right? it would have been great yeah because it would have been what 13 almost well 12 years later at this point I don't know that and they one with each team. Yeah, and one with each. Yeah. That's the best part. And his last one here, and mm. oh my god, it would have been so delicious. And of course, the I don't know if irony is the right word, but the 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 poetic justice of it all is Brett Favre's own inherent flaws as a quarterback prevented Brett Favre from winning a Super Bowl with the Vikings, and the Packers now because of that get to celebrate far for all the greatness and all of his and it's like he never played here flaws. it's like he never played a game here. <laughs> I, know. I just like talk about packers yep Brett, uh, you're a viking even brett kind of oh he's he forgotten. doesn't he doesn't really talk about his vikings here. never yeah never. Uh, mike t via the score north app guys love all your content for us aspirational vikings fans thanks mike a question for judd you repeatedly express concerns about certain head coach candidates who have never called plays why do you think this is important? My opinion is one of Zimmer's biggest downfalls was he was too focused on calling defensive plays, leading to failures in other areas of leadership. Um, I don't think Bud Grant called his own plays, or really any old school coaches, did they? Um, That's a long time ago. That's a long, time, a long time ago, and the game has changed a lot since then. And he continues, although the NFL seems to have trended this way, is it for the best? I look at a guy like the interim coach in Las Vegas, who was a special teams coordinator. They elevated him after uh, Gruden got fired. He didn't call plays. It looks like he might actually hold the job because of ringing endorsements from his players. A good leader of men should be able to delegate those responsibilities and have his finger on the pulse of the game, manage timeouts, and the overall flow. Talking to his players during the game, like Pete Carroll does, would be nice too. Shouldn't the OC and DC handle the in-game play calling uh, in, some interesting that's very very here. fair that um so my concern about guys that have not called plays is i like 
I like a coach who has the knowledge of having gone through that step, but I don't disagree. If you feel, and this is an attribute that your um, that your OC and DC can do a good job calling plays, let them like, I, I love the idea because it's so important now of a head coach who manages the actual game, the clock, the timeouts. Oh mm-hmm. my God. But that being said, I also like the idea of a coach who has called plays because it just adds another layer of um, of coaching contextual context to you and and what and what you know. So I guess I'm trying to say it's from more experience and, and the more experiences that you have in a game that you know compared to like when Bud coached, it's a different sport. Like there's so much more now. Yeah. So, but, but they, they didn't even have headsets when Bud coached, did yeah. they? <laughs> uh, they might've at the end, but I don't, but they, they didn't for a long time, but I love that point. Like, I do think the idea would be to get coordinators on both sides of the football who you're in such lockstep with and comfortable with that they can call plays. I just like it when a coach has done that because it helps me say, okay, that's an important life experience as far as coaching goes. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, and again, this is just one example, but the the best example of this is John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, and he was a special teams coordinator. He didn't call offensive or defensive plays when he got that job. And Greg Roman is their offensive play caller now in Baltimore. And he is brilliant at being able, like he's got his like game management assistant and sidekick, right, on the sidelines with him or in his ear. Love it. And he's constantly thinking about, Okay, we got three minutes left. If we get down here, are we going to go for it? Do we have enough time? Or what's our timeout situation? And you can, while the game is happening, you can watch him going up and down the sidelines. Okay, you know, talking to his quarterback over here, talking to a, an assistant coach over there, and he's and he's now they missed the playoffs this year because they had like twenty five guys on IR or something. But right, you know, I would love it if you had a if you had a head coach that was that great of a leader. It's kind of the opposite of what's happening in Dallas, where Mike McCarthy doesn't call offensive or defensive plays, and his team is apparently, to steal a word from him, nervous before a wild-card playoff game and train wrecks in the two-minute drill all the time because they have no idea what they're doing, right? Yeah. It's like, great, so, Mike, so Mike's going to free himself up. He doesn't have to call plays, and he can focus on the big things, and he drops the ball all the time, which is why he should be fired. But John Harbaugh is a great example of the opposite, so... Um, yeah, I don't know, like calling plays, I don't think it should be anywhere near like your top three priorities for a coach, but I agree with Judd. But it helps. Yeah. It does help just like you know, sort of speeding things up and understanding the flow. Speaking of Dallas, uh, Colin Leary via the Score North app asks, how does the perspective of Kellen Moore change if Dak Prescott gets that spike off and then throws a touchdown to tie the game? It's completely different. We're literally talking about wanting Kellen more and more. That's where I'm saying you can't. We can't just have like this ridiculous overreaction over the one play. The the draw play is worth criticism because obviously that's been the topic of conversation for the last five days. But then if he pulls that off, well, what are we talking about now? Are we still talking about him having the number one offense and being the smart, innovative dude? And oh my God, he just marched down the field with 40 seconds, no timeouts, and daggered a good defense. I think sometimes we just get really caught up in the moment of one thing, and we have to kind of examine the whole big picture of who Kellen Moore is, and that's what teams, I think, are trying to figure out. So here's my take on this. I think, yes, if they get the spike off and they throw a touchdown, like there's no there's no heat on Kellen Moore. In fact, it's, it's going to be praise, right? They came back and they won the game, et cetera. But to me, the equivalent, if I could use like a comparison, 
it's like if someone told you you have an appointment and you have to be there at noon and if you if you don't then you're i don't know eliminated from the you die you're eliminated from the playoffs like you have an appointment at noon and you have to be there at noon no excuses because the clock's ticking and and Callum Moore looks at his uh his maps he's got his iPhone out opens up the Apple maps and says all right it's uh it's 11:40 and uh great it takes uh takes exactly 20 minutes to get there Okay, I'll leave now, not considering the things that could go wrong if you leave yourself no margin for error. What if you get stuck at a long stoplight? What if there's a crash on the highway or something, right? Like, there's like five things that could happen, so you need to give yourself some cushion. Maybe you should leave 10 minutes early. And that's what bothered me about it. It was like, the, like they, they, they gave no thought to... The bad things that could happen. What if the official that like what if the, what if the official bobbles the ball when they're trying to spot it? What if what if this? What if that? Like what if a defensive player lays on Dak Prescott while he's trying to get up and that's next to two seconds? Like there was no thought to the bad things that could happen. It was only like we can do this in fourteen seconds. So obviously, if they get the spike off, no one's talking about that. So yes, the perception would be different if they would have if they would have got the spike off. So I think Dex is right on fans and probably the majority of people in our business i think anyone who is a real football person would say uh-uh that's a terrible call still like it it doesn't absolve you internally with football people when the rule of thumb that everybody knows right phil 17 seconds gotta have that if you run that play and get lucky and get that ball spiked i think we're all like oh that was really cool that but I think football people are like, that's really, that's a bad play call. That's a terrible play call. It's still terrible. I also still like, I still think, and I think the analytics would bear this out too, from where they were at, they were at the 40-yard line. I still think two Hail Marys gives you a better chance to win than or a, sideline a, pass, a, so. a play of some kind. But if you want to get closer, like, like let's say you're like, it's too far. We can't do this. We got to be at the 25 or something, okay? The only other play call is a sideline play call that gets the ball out of bounds. But then, but that stops the But clock. San Francisco is literally, and that's where it wasn't trying to be hilarious football nerd, but they're in the picket fence coverage. You can see three DBs on each side of the sidelines. They were literally saying, you will not pass the ball to us on the sidelines. You got to launch it. Yeah. Then, 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 you, then you go Hail Mary. Then you have to go Hail Mary. Yeah, exactly right. I agree. And you think about that, like San Francisco said, because everyone's praised, like the people that are praising the play are saying, it worked. They just didn't get the spike off. It's like, no. It didn't it work. Didn't work. <laughs> it was terribly flawed. It, so, I don't but, know. But Maybe I don't, we're overreacting to one play, but I also look at all these other candidates with more experience. I just feel mm-hmm. like Kellen Moore needs five more minutes as a coordinator, and then at some point is. he'll be a head coach. So, did, did you guys see, and I think it was not on TV, I think it was to a reporter, Aikman's quote, though? Yes. He had a brilliant that was even quote. more damning. And this is, but, but this is where I have a problem with Moore, and quite frankly, it translates perfect to Kubiak. Um, why, yes. why do all of these people like, and I get football is complicated. I get, it. it's got a lot of complicated play calls in that. And I'm not, I am not debating that, but why do these people insist on making an already sort of complicated schematics more complicated? So Aikman for the audience that didn't see it, it, it he was talking about the Dallas Niners game, right? Yes. And, and, and the it, whole it, game. He was also talking about, I think he brought it up for a different game too, but basically like, when the cornerbacks are giving for CD Lamb, for instance, when the cornerbacks are, are are like eight, ten yards off the line of scrimmage, stop trying to scheme your offense. Throw the ball to CD Lamb. 
right. literally run a curl route and throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb. Correct. And he was like, he goes, I, I hate to go back to my day because no one cares. But he goes, but if that were us in the 90s and we saw a defense playing 8 to 10 yards off Michael Irvin, Michael Irvin would have 10 catches in the first half. We would literally abandon like all game plan, scheme, everything, and just right. say, oh, I guess they're playing 10 yards off Michael Irvin. Cool. <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah. I, re- I just don't get that. I rewatched uh, Kellen Moore's John Gruden football camp from 2012 coming out of Boise State yesterday. It's on ESPN. It's great. Actually, Boise State's like football page uploaded it and even like has it a DVR skipper on it because they couldn't get the commercials out. It's hilarious trying to watch them navigate it. Uh, but one of the biggest things that Gruden picks out from Moore is, is and that at Boise State is Boise State's offense is complicated and it's different and they put right guards like off the line of scrimmage and they put tight ends and tackle spots and they and they get it all extra complicated and Kellen Moore says our goal is to confuse the defense as much as possible. That's our goal at Boise State was to confuse the defense mm. as much as possible. And so I think he brings a lot of those principles. And I think he then. still brings a lot of those principles to it and that's what Gruden says at the end like I don't know if this guy's going to make it as a quarterback. I don't because he just doesn't have the athletic abilities but he's going to make one hell of a coach someday. Don't and that's great your and, own team. And that's yeah like I think having <laughs> some components of like you're a brilliant schemer and whatnot yeah. but if there's something in front of you I want did John Gruden ask him about the blue turf? He did, yeah, because because they they man. he asked What's if it like uh, playing on that blue turf. Is man? it true that Let's ducks go, up, that ducks kill themselves on that turf thinking it's a lake? He asked that question. I didn't know that was a thing. And Kellen Moore was like, "Oh, they like fly, they like yeah. dive down." And yeah, <laughs> Kellen Moore said, "We've heard the rumor, but like I've never seen it happen." You know, and and also like oh. they're practicing on there, so like a duck's not gonna like see people and then like go right. towards it. But he's but <laughs> he did ask if ducks like basically kamikaze into the field before oh my god uh robert wolf via the score north app says it's great to hear all the back and forth with your uh, young listeners but i am concerned that the young listeners have shiny new object syndrome as a crotchety 72 year old vikings fan who is a fan of surly furious he says oh that's my guy you're good in my humble opinion, the best chance of finding a successful new employee is by hiring someone who did that same job well a, with a different company. I feel that these next hot OCs often flame out when they become head coaches. See Kevin Stefanski's second year, for example, which you know I want to see Kevin a third year to determine that. But if you can find a coach that's been to a Super Bowl, they have a good chance of getting there again. Think Doug Peterson, Dan Quinn, if Pete Carroll becomes available. Even Jim Harbaugh, who knows how to pick and groom quarterbacks, better yet, if he's part, uh, better yet, he's part of a family that's produced winning coaches. Um, what are your thoughts on that? The old, like, because I, I feel like a lot of people are just kind of casting aside the, oh, Peterson and Quinn. Uh, no, let's right. go, Kellen Moore. Right. He's young. He's flashy. I think it's probably a smart move to to look at both sides here and i don't think that you can dismiss or embrace one because well that's just what i like so i get his point i don't disagree with with the point but i also don't think that you can eliminate potentially good candidates because they they don't have head coaching experience because if you do that you're basically taking away an entire pool in which some very successful people are probably swimming so this this is where you have to rely on the Vikings people like you literally have to again Ben McAdoo who basically was more high school uh, gym coach than than a coach in the National Football League Didn't he have a weird mustache at yes, one point he too? looked like a gym coach 
Ben McAdoo, though, was was the Nathaniel Hackett of what four or five years back. Oh my God, he works with Rodgers. He works with the Packers. He knows the pack. He knows what they do. He knows, and he was a flop. So this is where you have to put trust in your people with your team to see through the BS and to also see the intangibles that people have. So that that's what makes this tough, man. Dude, ben, ben McAdoo. So he was, you know, meteoric rise guy, right? He was the he in his thirties. He was Aaron Rodgers' quarterbacks yes. coach. Then he became the offensive coordinator for the Giants, and they elevated him to head coach. Yep. And then he took, I think, two years off after getting fired to become the Jaguars' quarterbacks coach last year. Oh, was he really? Oh, I didn't even know he resurfaced. So and now he's a consultant Urban? for the Cowboys, not for Urban. I mean, I mean, two thousand. Oh, you mean? Okay, okay, yeah. And now he's a consultant for the Cowboys. That's the job I want. So, yeah. I want a consultant's job. We know. Don't you? Consultant, consulting's the way to go, man. You make a lot. I mean, we're pretty much consultants now. You make a lot. I, I want the check, though, that goes along <laughs> with the job. Like, I give my advice essentially for free to the Vikings. You know what we could do? Like, it's possible there's some people in that front office that don't watch Purple Daily or listen to Purple Daily. What if we just started sending clips of our advice that we give on the show and we could we could send yeah. it as a demo tape and say listen if you want we can send this to you like monday wednesday fridays we'll give you our takes you know you just have to write us a check we can we can double dip with the content that we're providing it's a great just idea saying, throwing it out there i've heard rumblings that we are watched by some really hmm. yeah i can't i can't say too much more sure but let's just let's just say i think there are i think pd I think it gets a little bit of run at TCL. I'll say it was a little suspicious that on Purple Daily, for the last two years, we've been talking about how our motto, our tagline is, we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And yes. Mark Wilf fires Someday. everyone and comes out Someday. and says, there you go, someday. And Mark Wilf comes out and says, championship Super Bowl. The status quo is not good enough. It just yep. feels, it feels aligned. Like our visions. Oh, they're very aligned, much aligned. Mm-hmm. They're very much aligned. Yep. Yeah. We might be big in Jersey too, if that's the case. Um, let's, uh, let's shout out Federated here real quick here. Feedback Friday. Federated's been around for over a hundred years, uh, based in Owatonna and Federated Insurance provides risk management tools and resources to business owners. And so, and I, there's a lot of young business owners that dabble in, uh, Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. So if you're a young business owner, definitely listen up. You can get that experienced veteran guiding hand of Federated to help maximize the success of your business. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it is our business to protect yours. All right, Feedback Friday continues here on Mackie and Judd. Tyrell Adams via the Score North app asks, after listening to Rick Spielman talk on the Moving the Sticks podcast this week, and just for the audience that didn't hear us talking about that on Purple Daily, Spielman came out and talked very openly on the Moving the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks about his sort of unprompted, his failures to identify quarterbacks and how he put so much stock into measuring their intelligence but not necessarily as much stock measuring their quickness in processing information. Christian Ponder is a great example of that, for instance. And so he said, you know, if I could kind of go back or if I could take something going forward, it would be to better measure how quickly they process information. And so Tyrell Adams says in this comment, 
I really hope he applied what he learned when drafting Kellen Mond. I was high and still am high on Mond, but Rick's discussion on the Moving the Sticks podcast gives me a little more hope that he may have left us with a quarterback. Your thoughts? I honestly think, in fairness to, to Mond, and the stuff that I've heard behind the scenes is not great, I honestly believe, though, that, and it, it's probably unfortunate and not fair to Kellen Mond, that 2022 is his first year. It's a yeah. reset. I don't think we can say. I don't think we can say. And, and, and I know for sure as hell we can't take three plays where he was forced into a game in Green Bay and be like, well, I saw something. No, you didn't see a thing there. We have no idea. He looked terrible. He should have looked terrible. He had no preparation. Um, I don't think he, he probably had much, if any, support from people. So I am, as far as I'm concerned, not with just mind you guys, but with much of that draft class, including really the entire third round, I'm giving him a fresh look. Um, I, I, I am convinced, as big a conspiracy theory as this sounds, I am convinced that the third round was held hostage by Mike, that the, it, it was a pissing match between GM and coach, that, um, that I don't know if Mike didn't like the picks or if Mike was just mad at Rick, but yeah. Wyatt Davis. That's ridiculous. What they did to that kid, I don't care unless he did unless he did something to get himself cut, which clearly he didn't. Um, inexcusable. So I am giving at least the third round, if not more, of that class an entire fresh look starting in training camp. Because if anybody didn't get a fair shake in 2021, it's probably those kids. Yeah, and I, and and if you look back at third, fourth round quarterbacks, there's only historically like the last 20 years maybe a. 20 to 25 percent chance that any third round quarterback becomes a multi-year starter so you're you know you're already up against it now backup okay cool so I don't think it's been realistic to expect Kellen Mond to be the heir apparent to Kirk Cousins like he's much more likely to just be a backup or just flame out but again like I agree with you I has he did he really come in here with the right infrastructure to maximize his skill sets when the head coach barely spends time with the starting quarterback right. how are we supposed to expect an infrastructure to be in place to maximize the young backup quarterbacks right and the other thing too I would point to you know there there's some weakness I'm reading the nfl.com uh, scouting report from Kellen Mond going into the draft last year and some of the weaknesses so it's a lot of conservative stuff like shies away from big play opportunities to make shorter throws. We'll miss late safety movement indicating incoming blitz. Um, so like not necessarily reading and surveying things. And to me, that kind of falls in the category of not the fastest to process information. If you're, if you're checking, like think about Christian Ponder constantly checking down when bigger plays were available over the top, either because he was just nervous to make a throw down the field or because he wasn't processing, oh, this is going to open up. I just need to trust it for another half second. So but just by reading some of the weaknesses and some of the the knocks on Kellen Mond, I wouldn't necessarily align it with the things that Rick learned. But it wasn't that long ago. Like, that draft pick was made eight months ago. Yeah. So unless Rick had this epiphany after the draft, yeah. I would assume that he is applying his knowledge to the Kellen Mond pick. So... I guess we'll see. I, I'm I am excited for someone to come in here and just breathe some air into that quarterback room, though. Just like let's make it less uptight, whether Kirk's in it or not. Like 
God, that's the most important room in the franchise. And you had a head coach that was like, you had to drag him into a meeting on Thursdays with his starting quarterback. Like, let's whether it's Raheem Morris or Nathaniel Hackett, like Doug Peterson wrote an essay three weeks ago on how to build a championship quarterback room, right? That would be interesting. A guy that comes in and says, okay, Kellen Mond, Kirk Cousins, whoever it is, this is the most important room. Let's spend a bunch of time. Let's make each other better. You know, just change that room and change the culture. And it should help Kellen Mond. Feels like it was uh, it was year zero, as PJ Flex said for Kellen Mond. Year zero in a redshirt yes. year. Very much a college-like <laughs> situation. I mean, the poor dude, like, also keep in mind he got COVID. Like, the training camp thing was weird. I don't think he really got a fair shake. He clearly was going to be a project from day one, but I really, I agree. I don't think he got a complete fair shake year year two, year one, whatever you want to call it. With 2022 with Kellen Mond, I think we'll see the true colors of him. Uh, another one from Tyrell Adams here via the Score North app. Since Judd says over and over he's smarter than the Vikings front office, let's have Judd rank the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. Damn, Judd needs to be humbled. This offseason is supposed to be fun. You Why know, are you trying to buzzkill selective, our fun this offseason? As my, as my late colleague Sid Hartman would say, this is a selective listener because what I said is I want to hire help hire the GM and coach. I'm, I want to put the people in place. Who then, who then have far more knowledge than I do at that point because I've hired incredibly smart people to find the quarterback, to set what the offense is going to, to be. I am, damn it, a people person. I can tell if I'm being BSed and schnookered on, on a guy on Zoom who tells me, of course I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Oh, we're going to win next year. B, no, we're not BS. You're gone. So I'm not asking to rank the quarterbacks. Which is fun. I'll do it. That's fun. But I'm should. saying Let's my area of expertise is to get the right people in place to put the pieces in place to win a Super Bowl. That's what I do. When are you going to admit that you were wrong? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. I've been wrong about a lot in life. Thursdays, Wednesdays on Mackie and Joe. Yeah. And, and, like and I can tell you right now, ask Don or Stella. Oh. They will tell you at home wrong constantly. <laughs> Like, this is why I got sports, so I can be right. A little more often. Uh, it's here, right all the time. So I, um, oh, yeah. That's let's, let's keep hammering Judd here. Jesse Johnson via the Scornorth app says, I feel like Judd is never going to be happy with the Vikings' decisions. Phil and Declan are just as excited as I am for the new Vikings football, but Judd is just never going to be happy with it regardless. I listen to you guys every day. Oh. Keep up the good content. Love it. Okay, that, that's not true again. Declan can speak I mean, to you, this. You are, like, openly yes, panicking about it. I'm openly concerned. There's no question. And the news that continues to filter out has me more concerned. But ask Dex (laughs) this, this, and and I have gotten people who admit this. What am I, hey, Dex, Uh what am I, what am I positive, excited about, embrace completely now, and say that this guy knows far more about the sport than I do, and he's doing a marvelous job? Dean Evison with the Wild. And Bill Guerin. And Bill Guerin, yeah. And Bill Guerin. But the why, but but why? Because they had, and, and, Craig Leopold got it wrong and got it right. The Wolves got it wrong. I think they're trending in the right direction now. What I'm saying is, and and I wrote an entire column about this with the attributes that I want want to see at scorenorth.com. What I want the Vikings to do is to get it right. And until, and if they, if they're right, I'll be excited, but I'm not going to be the problem with like thinking that, well, they know more and they're going to get this right is it's a Pollyanna 
attitude that's extremely dangerous because then you're disappointed. I mean, Paul Fenton was hired. He was he had no people skills. Gerson sold Glenn, not shockingly, and his entire committee on that he was this family man, that he was going to include P- inclusive, and that he was going to do this and that. And it turned out he was, it sounds like a tyrant. And then, of course, had the extra That's pretty inclusive. marital affair that was inclusive but not positive. But my point is, get it right, win games, get the right people. I will be dancing in the streets. I think, I think and I, where I side with Jesse here is like, so for instance, you have identified Andrew Miller, who was a former you know, business side executive with the Blue Jays, comes from a baseball background. Yep. He's very influential in the Vikings front office and yep. in the Vikings search for a GM and probably in these coaching interviews too. And you look at that and say, oh, that's, that's bad. Like he, because he comes from the non-football side, then that's bad. And we actually had a listener, and I, I should have brought this to Feedback Friday. We had a listener who's a Blue Jays fan uh, brought us sort of a, a write-up of Andrew Miller and his leadership style. I and I read you. that and thought, oh, that's interesting. Like yeah. I, I've never met him in person. Yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend to like if I'm never if I've never met him in person and there's not enough information out there. Like it's hard for me to develop a take. I'm not going to rule him out as someone in the room just because he doesn't have a football background. Because if yeah. he has a sense for leadership, then I do want him in that room. I agree with that. Uh, the problem is that my experiences of talking to people who know what goes on there is not positive. So do you so really that, think you're suited to be problem. the fourth guy in our group, Buzz Killington? <laughs> look, look, Sports Dad has to do what Sports Dad does, but Sports Dad will be as excited as the rest of the group if they nail this and get this right. But don't forget the Wolves. Then Sports Dad can admit that he was wrong and, about And the Wild. But or or they're going to, in two years, be back to square one and then perhaps what? get it right then. Bill Guerin interviewed at the same time Fenton did. I guarantee you Paul Fenton told Craig Leopold, exactly what Craig wanted to hear. And I guarantee you, Bill, who, who shoots completely straight, didn't. I'm going to read you something here. I think you, I think you could use this. So uh, I follow Ryan Holiday on Instagram. He's a number one best-selling author, and uh, he practices stoicism. Okay? And uh, he I'm posted stoic. something on Instagram that made me think of Judd. He said, a stoic does not suffer imagined troubles. We are prepared for anything. We sometimes think about what the worst case scenario is. Okay. Yep. yep but yep. what we don't do is borrow suffering from the future and suffer before we need to in anticipation of bad things that might happen. We look at things as they are right now, and that's how we're going to deal with the present moment. You've opened up you are You are worrying about hypothetical yes. things that have yes. not happened yet. Okay. If they so, hire the Hamburglar as their general manager, then I will be panicking with you. Okay. So in real life, the therapists call, call what he, uh, he's talking about there um, foreboding joy, which is you're always concerned about what's next so you don't enjoy the moment. Yeah. In, in real life, that's a problem. I have it. In sports, it's a necessity. It's a necessity because I consider foreboding joy to also look at past mistakes and say, what did you learn? Because sports is a different, it's completely different. It's not a business. It's not a, it's not a, a Wall Street traded company. It's not normal. Sports is dysfunctional by its nature. And so what you have to do is be on guard 
And there's a lot of smart, egotistical, manipulative people. What you have to do is be on guard for them because they'll get you. Gerson Rosas interviewed continually. The problem, and this is- He put put, put together a pretty good roster too. Yes, and and he did, and he did, but they didn't like that. They didn't like, now now if they said, he's a tyrant, but we don't care, I'd I'd be like, okay, cool, but you did care. So what did you do wrong? Like the the Vikings could 1,000% go to school on three things here. One, it's a long time ago, but their own Fran Foley screw up. Like that's a, he, he, he was a tyrant. He told the secretary one day, don't come in tomorrow because, because we're going to fire so many people. It's going to be awful. And he looked forward to it. And the Wilfs were like, no, you're not. And, but anyway, um, Paul Fenton and Gerson. So, yes, I am continually looking out for worst case because far too many times the worst case people slip through the cracks. That's what happens at sports. I, I do also subscribe to uh, the the legendary and polarizing Bobby Knight, who I am not a fan of, but he did write an interesting book about 10 or 15 years ago called The Power of Negative Thinking, yep. which doesn't mean this is where I think Judd misinterprets. Judd's always obsessed with the bad things that could happen. The book's message is be aware of the bad things that could happen. Be prepared for them, but don't be consumed by them. Well, and there's a fine line. But where's the line? Be- because l- like right now with Garen and the Wild, I'm very bullish. I'm very positive because they got it right, in my opinion. They got this right. Mm-hmm. So I guess where I am, I guess where I'm always expecting the worst is until you prove to me that you actually got the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like the, over the next week and a half. Yeah. Don't screw it up. Th- they'll hire a GM. Don't screw it up. I'm- Regardless of who they hire, we're not going to know anything about that GM for like two more years, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. So we won't know if their process was the right, right one or the wrong one. Like we hypothetically won't know for like two more years. Right. I think but- the coach will know a lot earlier. Right. Now the roster, the roster is going to matter when we're evaluating the coach. But that's why I'm trusting you not to screw up. You don't trust If you're the Wills. No, You're I don't trust them. them. <laughs> I don't trust them, but I'm saying I have Declan to. Declan and I are putting blind trust in. Yeah, exactly. we are. And, you're, you got, and, and you yeah. are putting somewhat blind skepticism in, and that's and that's what I have to trust them, but I don't. Well, you don't trust them. I think it's fair to say, you right? No, but them. but I have to, and that's my problem. Uh, by the way, Ian Rappaport just came out. Yes, Dex just sent this to us and said after uh, the Giants are the Giants are hiring Joe Schoen as their GM. Oh, so he's the assistant GM of the Bills. Which, this is the first domino. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, they'll go about the process of hiring a coach next. Expect Dan Quinn and Brian Flores to be on that list. We're going to talk a lot more about this domino on Purple Daily the next couple days here. So check that out. Um, Dan Bania in the YouTube comment section says, Hey, Mackie and Judd, you've got a, a young guy sitting to the left of you. Why don't you ever let him talk? The last two times I've watched your show... You have been microphone hawks. All right, Declan, <laughs> give us a take. The floor is yours. Uh, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the reason why I don't talk. Not because I don't have the hashtag takes. Uh, 
I am making <laughs> sure that this show is existing and on schedule and making sure that Ian Rappaport news comes to these two clowns when it needs to get through. There's a lot of things that I am managing. You know, the, uh, the, the there's a great gif of like that octopus building bricks on a building. Like he has like eight different arms laying foundation. <laughs> that is me yeah. during the show. And then when I do have to get the microphone on, I'm still laying those bricks while trying to deliver some takes. So th- there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts. And I get, I get the notes, too, from friends. I'm like, why don't you talk more? Why don't you, why don't you uh, speak up a little bit more? And You're some, welcome to talk. And I'm, and I'm always welcome to talk. We're, we're, I know we that. We don't tell Declan not, not, to, not talk. to talk. Not to talk. Declan's just, Declan's got, yeah. you know, pretty much everything you see, like we do these shows every day, but then everything you see on social and clips and everything on YouTube and stuff like that. And he's working, too. That's so, what so Declan, like he's typing. Declan's, he's typing. He's working. He's, and plus, he talks a ton. It's called Judd's Hockey Show. Mm-hmm. He's the co-host and gives and, and spews takes. If you if you want obsessive Kevin Fiala takes Judd's hockey yeah. show, there's plenty of plenty of ammo in the ammunition in the ammunition. There. There's plenty of stuff there. Yes. Let's see here. Mitchell Smith via the Score North app says it seems to me that Zimmer was more interested in being right than leading the team. You shared his quote about spending on a quarterback from four years ago, and he predicts that he'll be fired if they do that, which he was right. So instead of figuring out how to win a different way than he was accustomed to, he'd rather just be fired so he can say, I told you so. I mean, I don't I don't think he's like consciously I don't think he spent four years trying to get fired so he could prove a point by any means. But do I think that he was more interested in being right and doing things his way than adapting? Absolutely. I love that note. I think that note is spot on. And and in fact, I would argue Hot take, I would argue by the end of Mike's time here, it was more important for him to take Rick with him than to keep their jobs. <laughs> I think I, I think Mike oh, privately is ec- ecstatic. He gets paid, and he got Rick. And I believe, I mean, just a guess here, he played a role, if not a huge role, in Rick being dismissed too. Um, but I think that's a 1,000% right. I think Mike... I think what happened at the combine in February of 18, what became the self-fulfilling prophecy of Mike being like, I told you so. And the guy that screwed me, I'm getting him fired too. <laughs> mm, it feels like that, right? It does kind of I mean, feel I'm totally like guessing, but I mean, no. it feels like that. It does. And, and the fact that, you know, Deion Sanders confirmed they didn't speak for months, like they clearly hated each other. And there was a couple other quotes from Spielman in that moving the sticks podcast too, are just like, he's, he didn't say, he wasn't being direct about names and stuff, but it's like, yeah, he's talking about Zimmer. Uh, Cliff, last one here. Cliff via the Score North app. I have an observation about the Vikings. I've seen for at least two years that fear is the foundation for the coaching staff, and players confirm that. One of the earmarks of a fear-based organization is alligator arms. No one is going to risk anything. As you guys have observed, the I just work here mentality comes from more than just Kirk Cousins. It's a common trait for most personalities that are stuck in this fear-based environment. I mean, that's spot on, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I think he nailed it. Now, it would be helpful if your quarterback wasn't just, I just work here guy, that if he had a personality and some leadership qualities to balance out the tyrant coach, and they can be sort of yin and yang, but right. unfortunately the Vikings didn't have that. Can I can I um, go so as far as to absolve Kirk just a bit, though? Because the more that we, and I mean, I, I think that those last two comments are just a 1,000% right. The more that we discuss this and, and mash through what went wrong, I do think it's important to point out that to think that that it was Mike, Rick, and Kirk 
who are the only toxic ones or something. That locker room, I don't think it's a stretch to say, almost 1,000% had some tox- toxicity to it yeah. that went well beyond Kirk. And it I don't lacks know who, leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, like, like, this is not a, oh, Mike's gone and Rick's gone. And if Kirk's gone too, which I think Kirk should be gone, but if, you know, if they're gone, it's fine. I think you would find that there was more than that. And, and now I, I know that those three guys are atop the marquee. Mm hmm. But I think the whole thing, and that's why I said, I think you have to go through it. And my guess is that we will be surprised that there was a toxic person or two that we probably don't expect. Well, and and, and maybe not even toxic, maybe just like blend in with the wallpaper. There's There just yeah. seems to be a lot of guys that blend in. Like, think about all the Vikings teams in the past. 2009 was a great Vikings team, right? Yep. And then think about all the spokespeople that that team had yep. that were out front. And I know Matt Burke was gone by then, but like Matt Burke was that person beforehand. Jared but I, Allen. 2009, Jared Allen. That was great. Yep. Brian Robison, Pat Williams. Kevin yep. Williams was quiet, but he was out front speaking all the time. Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Hell, Adrian Peterson was outspoken in his third year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. John Sullivan, right? Like they just had seven, eight, nine guys up and down the roster that were sort of like front men for the organization and would speak or criticize or get into it with the media or whatever it was. Right. On this team, Thielen will talk, Kendrick's a little bit. Kirk is, he talks, but like he's not a leader. Who else? Like who? And Kendricks, Kendricks until uh, he, he talked about Mike after Mike was fired. Kendricks is really, really smart and he's great on issues, societal. He's not good on the sport itself. Like, like the team, Eric rarely gives you much. He's an and, outstanding player, a little bit, a little bit quiet. Harrison Smith's that way too. He's like this yes, sort of silent assassin type player. But I mean, right? he. He, both of those guys have a ton of thoughts, clearly, right? But they're not going to say much. But yeah, it's, uh, and I, I think the problem too is when things start to go sideways with GM, coach, and QB, I think it becomes tough because the majority of people try to save their own hides at that point. Uh, so if the quarterback's good and leads, I think it galvanizes the entire thing. I'm just cautioning, we do get really caught up in those three and they all deserve blame. But I think, we, I think, we'll find out from roster changes that it probably went deeper than those three. I think it got into the core of the team at some point. Meanwhile, the Jaguars are, they're fishing around uh, different candidates to be their new head coach. Josh McCown is the, Mm -hmm. is the, did did you see the PFT story about that uh, today? No. Um, The Texans desperately wanted someone else to talk to McCown because they want to name him their head coach. Oh, so the Texans and the Jaguars are talking to McCown. But in their mind, if if another team talked to McCown, it would justify the hiring in Houston. (laughs) Houston is beyond dysfunctional. Like the Texans, I, I mean, I as much as I don't completely trust the Vikings, I am never going to lump them in. Jaguars, Texans, Lions, like that is true dysfunction. They're screwed oh, up. Man. Like if you like a person, hire him. Yeah. If you're concerned, don't hire him. By the way, the, the Giants did just officially announce uh, Joe Schoen as okay. the GM. And so, so Joe so Schoen's gone. So the first domino has fallen. 
but was not on the Vikings list. So he was not. But the Giants, I believe, um, Ryan Poles was one of the finalists there. He was, and and we'll get into some of this on Purple Daily here. So definitely check us out there. But Courtney Cronin said, if Joe Schoen becomes the GM of the Giants, then look for Ryan Poles to be in serious consideration as a potential favorite for okay. the Vikings. So cool. All right, that's uh, that's your feedback Friday. Good stuff. Comments, folks. questions, concerns, critiques, anything you guys want to hit us with. Every Friday, we answer your questions on Mackie and Judd. I'm good with it. Teflon Judd. I don't mind. No, I don't mind it. I don't mind negative the criticism. Judd. I don't mind the criticism. Just I go dish be, it out. I can take negative it. all weekend, drinking your surly and being negative. Oh uh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Both those things are true. I'm not going to deny them. All right, we got to go. We'll see you guys over on Purple Daily. Thanks for hanging out with us, Mackie and Judd. Think you can only get groceries delivered through Instacart? Actually, you can shop over 900 stores, including Best Buy, Kroger, Sephora, Safeway, Bed Bath & Beyond, Dick's Sporting Goods, and more with fast delivery today. And with Klarna, you'll have more time to pay. So if you need a beret, a fillet, or stuff to play croquet while listening to reggae down by the bay with a divorcee and a toupee, Instacart and Klarna is a better way to shop. Man, I lost it. Download the Instacart app and start shopping. Terms apply.